Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would say that we remain in contact. We've made no secret of the fact that uh, Nelly has been a priority for us at the beginning of the offseason and, and uh, continues to. The reality is, you know, Nelly has earned, earned the right at this stage of his career to kind of work through some things and think through next steps and options. And I know he's doing that, you know, as we speak. And the market hasn't moved all that quickly. You know, we all know that. So I think it's more just a, a, a wait-and-see approach to some degree. We're having dialogue not just with Nelson but with a number of other players you know, we certainly have plan A, but we have to be prepared for plan B, plan C, plan D, and we'll continue to work through that. But uh, Nelly's, a, Nelly's a special member of the Twins, and we know that. Mm. Reckless Speculation. It's Reckless Speculation Thursday on Mackie and Judd. That was Derek Falvey talking about basically like publicly pleading for Nelson Cruz to sign back with the Twins. Um, so we'll, we'll dive into all kinds of stuff with our friend Doogie off the top of the show. We will take your trade ideas and sprinkle them in throughout Reckless Speculation Thursday and Old Tweets Exposed. A quick shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is pleased to announce MyShield, your personalized online destination for risk management resources for your business. MyShield is available 24-7 and can be accessed from a computer, tablet, smartphone, or the MyShield app. You can find out more by going to federatedinsurance.com and clicking on Meet My Shield. And remember, at Federated, it's always our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Trade talk. Juicy rumors. Yes, we love ourselves some reckless speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd. Don't forget daily Vikings conversations on Purple Daily, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. And also, our YouTube channels are youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast and youtube.com slash ScoreNorthMN. He is our friend from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. You can also find him on the Scoop Podcast, ScoreNorth.com, Apple, and Spotify. Inside information about your favorite local sports teams. Dukes, what is going on? Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Judd. Good morning, Declan. On Nelly Cruz, you played the Derek Falvey soundbite to intro this segment. On Nelly Cruz, the dialogue continues. Thad Levine is the point person when it comes to the Twins' dialogue with Nelly's camp. We're not to the point of the Twins even making an offer that includes a second-year mutual option or a guaranteed second year. So this thing is, is if you want to say it's inching along slowly, that's fine. But there really hasn't been you know much noticeable progress. I did mention with you guys last week that my sense is there's not a big market when it comes to just American League teams if the National League doesn't adopt the DH. 
full-time here moving forward. I will say this much, though. The White Sox are an intriguing possibility. Now, we're not to the point of the White Sox making an offer, but think about that juicy storyline. If Nelly Cruz ended up in Chicago with the rival White Sox, is that something I would bet on at this point? I would not, but I don't loosely bring up that team. One other thing I'll bring up, did you guys see the Bud Black idea? Is Bud Black, is he still the manager in Colorado? Is he? I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he is. All right, did you see the idea he, he nope. brought up the other day? Was it trading Trevor Story to the Twins? No, it was trading Nolan Arenado to the Twins. No, here, here's what it was. Yeah, he's like, that's it a good was. We'll, we'll take yeah. JD back. That'll be great. Guys I would calf. take John Gray. John Gray is... is is an intriguing name, even though I don't think he pitched, you know, particularly well in 2020. But I still like Gray. But here's his idea, and I don't know how much support there is, but it's an interesting talker that the DH is tied to your starting pitcher. So the National League would adopt the DH, but once you take your starting pitcher out of the game, you then lose the DH. I don't know if that will get anywhere. I mean, to me, it's one or the other. You're either all in on the DH. Right. Or you're not. I know a lot of National League people who still hope that in 2021 they will have the DH. So I don't think we can sit here, even though there's not a lot of momentum today on December 17th. I don't think we can definitively sit here, even though it's it's ridiculous that we don't have closure on this. But I don't think we can sit here and say definitively, no DH for sure 2021 in the National League. And because of that, the Nelly Cruz camp is willing to wait. They figure that... that if there's a chance, even a 5% chance or 10% chance the National League does adopt the DH, that there will be a healthy market of National League teams, the Mets, some others, that will have interest in Nelly Cruz. Staying on this theme, Dugues, talk to me about uh, Sonny Gray and the Twins' potential interest in the pitcher. Yeah, so they did not talk to the Reds about the, the really good reliever, Iglesias, who landed with the Angels. But I did check with some people, and my sense is that that his name has come up. I mean, the Twins, Judd, have planted a bunch of seeds on starting pitchers, whether via the trade market or the free agency front. Like, they planted a seed on Masahiro Tanaka. Now, do I want all these websites to aggregate that name? Do I want Declan to throw that on Score North on Twitter? I don't. Tweet it. Tweet it. Too late, Doogie. Tweet it now. Too late. It's not to the point of, of an offer being made or anything like that, but Tanaka's under the same agency umbrella as Jake Odorizzi. So Tanaka's name has come up. There's a really good picture that a Japanese team has posted. His last name is S-U-G-A-N-O. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he's one of the better starting pitchers available right now. He's under the same agency umbrella as Maeda and Barrios. So of the Twins you know, at least said, hey, we have some level of interest? Yes. Now, do I think the Twins will end up making a bid? That remains to be seen. We still have another two to three weeks of of the posting process with, with that particular pitcher. But whether it's Oda Rizzi making a trade for Sonny Gray, signing Tanaka, signing somebody else, the Twins are going to add a pretty good starting pitch. Dukes, what do, you, what do you think the Twins front office appetite is for trading prospects? So we, we've seen them now offer, they offered a $90, $100 million contract to to Josh Donaldson, so they've right, they've gone into those deep waters that they haven't gone into as a franchise. They did trade Gratterall, and, and he was probably, you know, he wasn't one of their top two pitching prospects, but like big arm, 100 miles an hour, and a, and a big future, and they, and they traded him for Maeda. What is their appetite for trading a top, like, you know, Balazovich or a top position player prospect 
for an established player like a Sonny Gray or someone like that? Well, you tell me how much team control the player they're trading for has. Like our mutual friend, Dan Hayes, I'll credit him for this. He reported, I don't know if you guys brought this up or not, but that the Twins and the Rangers had some dialogue before Lance Lynn was moved to the White Sox. And the Rangers asking price was Belozovich and Enlo. And the Twins pretty much hung up the phone instantly. The Twins were not doing Belozovich and Enlo for Lance Lynn. Yeah. Now, Lance Lynn has, what, one year left in his contract? He's thrown a ton of innings the last couple of years. He's 34 years old. But if you could get back a guy now, I don't know what Sonny Gray's contractual situation is. Three more year, back, he's got three more years and about $32 million. <laughs> that's combined. a little more attractive to me, boys. That's a lot more attractive. So do I think that they would be willing? Now, maybe not Belozovich. Maybe not their number one pitching prospect. But Enlo and some other arms, you know, do I think that they would be willing to do that or move one of those outfield prospects, not Kirilov, but maybe a Larnick, certainly a Rooker? Do I think that they would be willing to, to entertain that idea for a guy with three years left of team control at very reasonable money? Yes, I do. I think the Twins would do something like that. All right, Dukes. So uh, I, I because I've been bored, Saturday I watched the Wolves. Monday, Dukes, I watched the Wolves. Um, I have seen basketball played bit better probably back when I was at St. Teresa and Deep Haven in eighth grade. Uh, and then, and then I get my, my Wolves status report, Doogie, for, uh, tonight's, uh, final preseason tilt at Dallas. And I call it up and I expect to see, you know, a couple names of guys I don't know. And the first name I see is D'Angelo Russell, not going to play. Um, is there anything that you can say? We haven't even played a regular season game yet. Is there anything that you can say to calm the fears of those who fear this is going to be a terrible Wolves season? All right, I'll get to that in a second. It's a treat, by the way, Judd, that you can watch the Wolves. I know a lot of people don't have access to the Wolves. Yes, Phil and Declan cannot watch the Wolves because of, and it's not the Wolves' fault, but it's just it's hard to side with either side when we're talking about millionaires or billionaires bickering over, you know, these 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 rights and, and what the cost is and all that. So if you have Hulu, if you have YouTube TV, if you have Dish Network, the Dish Network it's been going on uh, for two years goes back. Yeah, like almost a year, if not longer than that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's super unfortunate. I will tell you this much that the Wolves TV contract with Fox Sports North, is up after the season. I don't know if that's out there, but that's a little nugget. Now, how that enters into into the negotiations, that I don't know. Now, on the Wolves, to calm down people's fears, they do play Detroit on Wednesday, so I do think there's a decent chance they start 1-0. and I think they can beat the Detroit Pistons, but then all of a sudden they play the Lakers and the Clippers and the Utah Jazz. So all of a sudden, they could easily be 1-3, and after, you know, eight or nine games, are they three and six, two and eight after 10? I mean, I think, you know, looking at the schedule, that's a distinct possibility. I will say this much. I think they deserve more time. They are, I believe, statistically the youngest team in the league. They, if you look at it, have has, have had as much turnover as, as any team in the league, that, that they do deserve a little bit of a leash. I know fans don't want to hear that after – after all the you know futility the last handful of years going back you know back decades, uh, but I do think they deserve some time, Judd, with this shortened training camp without them being in the bubble, you know, with only two preseason games. Uh, so let's give them a little bit of time. But yeah, I mean, like the Wolves send out the the email last night, D'Angelo Russell not playing tonight, and you're thinking, 
Like, D'Angelo and Cat played exactly one game together last year. They need time together on the court. And all of a sudden, D'Angelo is out with, with right ankle soreness. Now, I'm told he'll be okay. You know, this isn't anything that's, that's serious. He'll play against Detroit next week. This is very, very, very precautionary. But still, nonetheless, I mean, third preseason game, as you want D'Angelo to start building chemistry with Cat and maybe get some minutes with Rubio and Anthony Edwards and Malik Beasley, D'Angelo all of a sudden can't play. I don't know if I can calm the fears so much, Judd. I do think it's a realistic possibility for them to capture the 10 seed or the 9 seed. A lot will have to go right. I do think health, just with COVID, I think if if they can maintain their health, if, if other teams get hit harder than they do, that will benefit the Wolves. But, like, can I sit here and make a, a strong case that the Wolves are better than Memphis? Heck no. And I get it. It was two preseason games, but heck no. John Hollinger on The Athletic, who I love, has the Wolves finishing ahead of the Grizzlies. I don't see that. Like, right now, who can I, like, feel confident about that the Wolves are better than in the Western Conference? Oklahoma City? And I think Oklahoma City is going to play incredibly hard. But I think Oklahoma City, Sacramento, maybe? San Antonio? Maybe? Phoenix? No. I'm not there in New Orleans, so New Orleans is a no for me. Memphis, for sure, is a no. Then all the teams that were playoff teams last year, those are no's outside of Oklahoma City. Houston, we wonder what the heck will take place with Houston, but it still might be a little bit. So as long as Harden is in the lineup, I think Houston is better, even with their dysfunction. I think Houston is better than the Wolves. So it's going to be hard to get into the top 10. But that should be the realistic expectation this year. Like, to me, if the Wolves can't capture one of those top 10 seeds, to me, it's a disappointing season. I want to mock. Mock! All right, then I'm going to pull open NBADraft.net and see. Uh, we're only six and a half months away from the next NBA draft, boys. So uh, right now, the Wolves are projected with the number three overall pick in the 2021 draft. And according to NBADraft.net, they will draft 19-year-old to be Oklahoma State combo guard Cade Cunningham. I want a mock. Mock! Well, in case you're looking for uh, silver linings, here's my question to you, Dugs. Sign me up for that, by the way. Cade Cunningham will be the number one pick. He is not falling to pick three. All right. By the way, the Wolves only have their pick if it's in the top three. So there could be worse situations, right? The Wolves could finish even 10th in the Western Conference and do nothing in the play-in tournament. Then they end up losing their first-round pick from the D'Angelo Russell-Andrew Wiggins trade. Or they could finish 11th in the Western Conference. Like in the fifth or sixth draft position, they still lose their pick. So there could be worse things than the Wolves ending up at pick three. So he, here's here's something. I don't think people are really talking a lot about this just because for, for a million different reasons. And I will I will preface this by saying when it comes to the basketball coaches in this town, I am admittedly biased. I like and get along with Richard Pitino. I used to host a show with him for four years. Um, and we've had a ton of conversations about just like, his recruiting and different things. So I like Patino. I get along very well with Ryan Saunders. And I think, I think Ryan Saunders is like three or four years thrown into the fire too early on this. And he's been navigating it pretty well to this point. So, but, but it's not about my opinion of these guys. Let's go Ryan Saunders. What do you think the wolves opinion of Ryan Saunders is Gerson's opinion? And, and how long are they giving him to show, listen, you can mold this ball of clay, but it needs to be molded, and if you can't mold it, someone needs to. I think they really like that he is the lowest-paid coach in the league, <laughs> especially after last year when they were still paying Tom Thibodeau 7 or $8 million a year. Yeah. I think they highly respect his work ethic. I will tell you, for whatever it's worth, to a man, 
talk to any player on background, they will sing his praises. Yeah. They all adore. They all love Ryan. Now, I've talked about this before. I'll say it again. At some point, Ryan is going to have to coach some of these guys really hard, including Carl Anthony Towns, including D'Angelo Russell. But I'm just telling you, if you talk to any player, even Jordan McLaughlin, who's not happy right now, if you talk to J-Mac, he will tell you he thinks the world of Ryan. He thinks there's something there schematically, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint. And I think at, what is he, 33, 34 years old? I think he will have a long NBA coaching career. Will it be as a head coach or as an assistant coach? But I think he can help out an NBA team for many, many years. They've changed the roster over so much that I'm willing to give him a bit more time. Plus, I mean, he defers to Vanterpool, who's going to be a head coach at some point in the near future, David Vanterpool. He defers to David a ton on defense. Like, if you watch a practice – David's the one running the practice. It's not like Ryan's shouting a ton of instruction. David's running their defensive schemes. And if you look at their issues last year, and certainly from Monday and to a degree Saturday, defense was an issue. Now, they were turning the ball over left and right. That didn't help. But they did not play good defense Saturday and Monday against Memphis. That's more Vanterpool, not Saunders, just the way they have things structured. But I think overall, the opinion of Ryan is pretty darn good. I mean, he'll do the other stuff, too. He'll call season ticket holders who might be on the fence about renewing their tickets. He'll do any corporate event. He'll do anything they ask of him. He does a lot of charitable work behind the scenes that people don't know about. So he's got a heart of gold. I'm just saying, and it might be my bias showing, because like you, Phil, I have a a good relationship with Ryan that goes back many years. I mean, we have some mutual friends going back to when he was at Wyzetta High School many, many years ago. You know, so I'll I'll sit here and defend him to a certain extent. But, yeah, I mean, the the, just like the clock is ticking on Cat. The clock's ticking on on Ryan Saunders, right? Like, you can't – like, last year, what did they have? Multiple double-digit losing streaks? If they have multiple double-digit losing streaks again this season, by all means, I get it. You would have to cut the cord at that point. But I'm willing to give him a little bit more time with this new roster. So, Duke, you just perfectly summarized to me the Glenn Taylor tenure, at least – let's say the last 15 years, by talking about the fact that – and he's a great guy. I'm not saying he's not – Ryan works cheap. He calls people to try to get them to renew their tickets. Uh, he goes and sees sick kids. I mean, that's all great. Ultimately, though, that's, you know, that's the Wolves thing. It's like win games. So with that being said, where do things stand with this team being sold? Because I do believe what's going to ratchet the pressure up on a lot of people, including Ryan and Gerson, is a uh, potentially new boss. Where do things stand right now on the sale of the Timberwolves? An ongoing talking point, Judd, with this segment going back, what, six or seven months? Six or seven months ago, I told you guys it was when, not if. I still think it's when, not if. But the when is not necessarily like anytime real soon. So, you know, as I said a few weeks ago, all signs point to Glenn Taylor, remaining majority owner, heading into the regular season. I think that will be the case. I will tell you, that there is a gentleman, not an old gentleman. He's got one heck of a basketball background. I'm not at liberty to share his exact name right this second, but I can tell you he had one of his companies go public very recently. He is worth a ton of money. He has interest. Now, it's not to the point of him talking directly to Glenn yet, but I can tell you this individual has a ton of interest. He would keep the team here in Minnesota. I would not sleep quite yet on Daniel E. Strauss. I'm told the Strauss camp still has some hope, even though I'm told when Strauss came to town a few months ago, 
He was lawyered up. He had a lot of lawyers, which I get when you're talking about an over $1 billion transaction, but that that potentially rubbed Glenn the wrong way. Just They weren't on the same page in that meeting in the same room, even if socially distanced. Hmm. But I'm just telling you, the Strauss camp still has, even if it's just a, a tiny bit, still has a little bit of hope. But I don't know if I would bet at this point on Daniel E. Strauss becoming the majority owner. I also, and I brought up these names, I don't know, a week or two ago, and I didn't randomly bring them up. I'll bring them up again. Jason Levian and Steve Kaplan. People will remember those names from five years ago. Steve had limited ownership in the Memphis Grizzlies. Jason Levian currently has ownership in, in D.C. United, the MLS team, and some other soccer teams. Jason Levian was, was involved with the Memphis Grizzlies a few years ago. I would just say they're, put it this way, there's been some dialogue. How about that? Now, I don't think anything is, is it's to the point of, of them making a legit offer, you know, them having an exclusive negotiating window or anything like that. There are some whispers about some camp right now, some group having an exclusive negotiating window, but I haven't been able to nail down, A, if that is indeed true, and B, if it is true, who it is. But but there is dialogue that's that's ongoing. So I think it's when, not if, but the when might be more like, you know, the summertime. Maybe it's not, you know, winter or spring. But I do think Glenn, at, what is he now, 79 or 80 years old, that he is eventually going to sell. He is not going to be majority owner for a ton longer. Hmm. Reckless speculation. Older gentleman, company that recently went public. I know Airbnb. Not older, no. No, he's not older. He's he's a younger guy. Did he play ball? If I name him, if I name him, would you? If I said that, you would maybe be able to figure. Well, I don't know if you'd be able to figure it out, but you'd be able to to limit the options. Let's just say he's got a big time interest in basketball. If we get this right, <laughs> just take off your glasses and wipe your brow. Don't say anything. If we're not right, leave the glasses on. No, I was I was actually going down maybe a different path. I know that like Door listen, DoorDash just went public and I have a very, very high interest in that company. <laughs> that would mean Phil buying the, the wolves. <laughs> I'm a big fan of DoorDash, although how about this story? The first time, literally the first time <laughs> I used DoorDash, Laura was going to get her eyelashes done or something. This is like four or five months ago. Woman pulls up. We actually got our, our place in Dinkytown, the place that's got the great uh cheesesteak sandwiches and pizza. Frank and Andrea's. Yeah. So lady pulls up. My neighbor is outside with, with her golden retriever. Golden retriever. The woman gets out of the car. She is scared bleepless of dogs. Oh, no. Gets out. Didn't see the dog. Food flies up no, in the air. No, dude. I felt so bad. She was crying. It, oh. was, it was such a cluster bleep. And I didn't know what to do. Like, my kids were starving. This was like 8 o'clock on a Friday night. But I felt horrible. Like, she was struggling to speak English. Pick up the food. I could just tell, I could just tell you know, like, she needed this job, this money. So it's not like I could throw under the bus. So that was my that was my first door dash experience. It ended up working out okay Ugh. about an hour or two later. Five-second rule, Dukes. Food. Send, yeah, send but, your kids out, pick it up, eat it. It's fine. <laughs> Five-second rule. But – Second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, DoorDash rules. So, yeah, I'm with you, Phil, on that. It's not the owner of DoorDash, though, that I can tell you. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, like, man, what must it be like if you have – like, Declan's afraid of horses, but it's unlikely Terrifying. It's unlikely he's just going to, like, run into a horse a walking down the horse. sidewalk, right? <laughs> but, like, if you're afraid of dogs, my God, you must just live paralyzed Correct. every single day. There's going to be a, someone walking their golden retriever around the corner. 
And I suppose if you're scared of dogs, you really don't have any inkling whatsoever that a golden retriever is like the teddy bear of dogs. Oh, like yeah, you would know that. People-friendly dog. Yeah. If you're already scared of dogs, <laughs> yeah. it probably doesn't matter. But we weren't talking about a pit bull or a German shepherd. <laughs> a We're talking about a purebred. Oh, no, I hope she didn't 100% get eaten. Golden retriever, <laughs> Bailey, my, my neighbor's dog, is the sweetest thing ever. She spent the night here when, when Paula, my neighbor, has, has gone out of town on business. This dog is literally the greatest dog ever. <laughs> Trump's my dog. Greatest dog ever, but Scooby. I suppose the delivery person had no you idea. Just threw your dog Scooby. under the bus. Scooby. I didn't throw What's him under the Scooby? bus. Where? He's a good dog. Where is Scooby? He's a good boy. Where is he's Scoops? actually at the vet right now. Oh, boy. He's at the vet. He's getting his yearly checkup. Oh. So Laura took him on a walk just now just to let him go to the bathroom before taking him to the vet. I heard he him. ended up pooping out a package of macaroni and cheese. So the other day, <laughs> Laura left some macaroni and cheese on the on the counter. They were watching a, a Christmas movie downstairs. She forgot she left it out. He ate the entire box. Oh, Scoob. Scooby. Scooby, no. Uh, we've all been there with mac and cheese, so I'm not going <laughs> yeah, to judge. Seriously. Uh, Doogie, give us some, ra- some rapid-fire scoops to, to close here. So you've got Joshua Kogi and Jared Culver. It's... It's a formality on both fronts, but both guys, there's a deadline here in the next week or two of of the Wolves needing to pick up rookie year options on those guys. The Wolves will pick up the options on those guys. On Jordan McLaughlin, it's a stare down right now. Now his qualifying offer actually expires today. Not that he was ever going to sign the qualifying offer, but it expires today. So he still remains a restricted free agent. So once it expires today, he's still a restricted free agent. It's a stare down where the Wolves want him back, but they want him back under their terms. He's not willing to take their terms right this second. So the stare off continues. It's just unfortunate, though. Like you think about tonight, no D'Angelo Russell. It sure would be nice if they had Jordan McLaughlin, even though it's a preseason game. It would be nice to have Jordan McLaughlin in the lineup tonight. So hopefully at some point something gets settled. But at this point, the stare down continues. Hey, Last thing, is there any chance that, that even in a pandemic, if things continue to trend as they did for Gopher basketball uh, a couple nights ago, Doogie, that Patino's job could be in trouble? Because, I mean, that was that was a rough performance. And I think, is it seven of their first opponents are ranked in the top 25 Big Ten game-wise? Yeah, and I will add to what Judge just said. On that NBADraft.net mock draft, the number one projected pick is Jalen Suggs. Yeah, okay. There and you, I love Jalen. There you go. Jalen actually built a pretty good relationship up with Patino, but Jalen Suggs was never, ever going to be a gopher, as, an, as unfortunate as, as that is. Judd, I see Richard Patino back for a ninth year. It's hard to believe he's already in year eight. I see him back for year nine. I don't see through this pandemic, this isn't Auburn, this isn't South Carolina. Right. I don't see the U coming up with the money to cut Patino a check for $1.75 million in March or April to go away. Then on top of that, whether you bring in Dutcher from San Diego State, who, by the way, has a Minnesota out in his contract. Mm. So that's what Dutcher thinks of this job. But he's already in his 60s. But he's a really good coach. I could also argue that San Diego State is a better job than Minnesota. But Dutcher has got the family ties here. But if you're bringing in Dutcher, if you're bringing in Eric Musselman or some other coach, you need to pay that coach more than what Patino makes right now. So where are they coming up with the three plus million dollars a year to bring in a new coach on a three, four, five year, probably a five year contract? Then paying Patino the big money on the buyout, I just don't see it. But I'm with you, Judd. I mean, 
Me, you, Phil, Declan, and Droogie could shoot better than 27% against the Illini. And Illinois plays good defense, but that shooting display that we saw on on Tuesday Mm. was disgusting. Gabe Kausher is mentally broke right now. It's so unfortunate. Really good defender. I still want him on the court. Like, I want him defending, you know, like, Tsumu, right? Illinois' best player, wing player. I want Gabe always defending the opposition's best shooting guard or, or even point guard for that matter. So Gabe has value being on the court. But ever since the college three-point line moved back at the start of last year, Gabe's shot is off. And mechanically, it looks good. So it's all mental. He even told me that the other day on a Zoom call. He said it's mental. He didn't want to go into great detail, but he said it's mental. But it's just so unfortunate because I really like Gabe as a player. I want him to make shots. Yeah. But, yeah, if they shoot like that again, Judd, and I think shooting is a concern. Booth Gotch didn't shoot the ball well last year at Utah. He didn't play well on Tuesday, but he had shot the ball well entering the game on Tuesday. Marcus Carr plays too much hero ball for my liking, but he's a really good player, one of the best in the Big Ten. Liam Robbins has to stay out of foul trouble. If Liam Robbins can play 27 to 31 minutes a game, I think they have a chance to win some games, but you're right. I mean, this stretch that they're on right now, even with St. Louis on Sunday, St. Louis is a top 30 team. That's a really hard game on Sunday night. St. Louis, then they play in no particular order, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State, Rutgers, Ohio State. Those are all all really hard games. And Ohio State lost last night to Purdue, but I don't know how many wins they have in this seven or eight game stretch. I mean, hopefully it's at least two, maybe three, but like it might only be one. You know, so at that point, if the Gophers are, you know, let's say in Big Ten play, oh and five, oh and six, one and five, one and six, at that point you start wondering, does it completely spiral out of control? But bottom line, I don't see anybody cutting the check for him to go away. So I think Patino is is back next year. I, I have actually I, I realized in these last couple of years, like I I used to be so emotionally attached to go for basketball. Like I you know you, Doogie and I both spent four years as students at the U of M. I am emotionally unattached. You only spent four. I spent six. Did you? The St. Cloud <laughs> plan. Love it. Yeah. I spent uh, six months. So they got they got. I mean out. they were down by thirty five points or whatever it was to Illinois, and I was sitting there like, well, you turn no hold on a second. You turn to the Bachelor. Tell Doogie the truth. Oh, absolutely! You just uh, bail all in on all in on the Bachelor Bachelor. In fact, I am in negotiations. I am in negotiations for the to become the co-host of the You Get a Rose Bachelor oh Bachelor podcast in 2021. I just want you guys to know that you are spreading yourself so far, far too thin. I really like Tasha. She makes her good TV. So you I'm guys. right there with you. Phil. It's a guilty pleasure. Source I love watching The Bachelor and, and Bachelorette. <laughs> yes. But yeah, She's I mean, big, big I heart. hear you, Phil. I'm still I'm still emotionally attached, and I'm still bugged. That when I watched Marquette the other night beat Creighton, that Dawson Garcia of Prior Lake High School and Theo John of Champlin Park High School are playing really well. Watching Wisconsin the last couple games, Brad Davison of Maple Grove has 17 and a win the other night, has 23 and a win about a week ago. Like he's starting to shoot the ball. I've always been a Brad Davison fan, even with, you know, the antics and the sideshow and, and his history. And, and hey, the Big Ten suspended him, rightfully so, for for his actions last year, but I still like him as a player. I still think, you know, if, if you had a chance to have Brad Davison on this team, he would make them better. You know, then you watch, you know, Jalen Suggs. You watch Matthew Hurt have a really good game last night against Notre Dame. Like, he looked like an NBA first-round pick last night against Notre Dame. So you keep watching all these kids, and I get it. Maybe we shouldn't harp on the negative. Let's harp on the positive. You know, getting Daniel Oturu and Amir Coffey, mm-hmm. even if there were – Interesting circumstances with both landing here. Nonetheless, Patino got those guys. He got Booth Gotch. 
to come here, even if Booth had a lot of interest in going to Maryland, but wasn't sure if he would get immediate eligibility there. He landed Marcus Carr as a transfer, even though Marcus is not a local guy. That was a really good recruiting get. Landed Liam Robbins. That was a good recruiting get. So maybe we should celebrate the positives, not harp on the negatives. But I'm just telling you, me personally, it's really hard to watch all these national college basketball games and seeing all the local players that I just know that Patino really never had a great shot at landing. Yep. That's Doogie, Darren Doogie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News and from the Scoop Podcast, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, inside information about your favorite local sports teams. Good stuff, dude. See you, Doogie. We'll probably see you, Have a good uh, day, boy. See you out, maybe after the holidays. We're, uh, we're taking a bunch of time off and, and giving some, some classic episodes for the Mackie and Judd folks. So we'll talk soon. Absolutely. You got my number. Sounds good. All right. See you, Doogie. Um, Great stuff there. That was a a great scoop session on Reckless Speculation Thursday. Reckless Speculation. Mm -hmm. But I want that name from the Wolves. Which name? The the guy that he said could potentially bid on the team, who was a young guy whose company just went public. This shouldn't be too tough to do the uh, math on this one. I thought he said an old guy. He said a young guy. No. He said it's a young guy basketball ties which to me means he probably played yeah and we'll he, find it and he we'll um it. we'll sniff it and he might come in here's my here's the thing with glenn in my opinion until this team is sold by glenn i'm not going to believe the team is going to be sold by glenn like if Wait, he, you don't think he's going to sell the team i'm just saying i'm just saying he's like I, 80 i know but i think that he likes i think that it deep in glenn's heart he loves the fact that he owns th- this team and he gets to go to the games and he can go courtside and people are like w- during non-pandemic times he can hey see, glenn he what's can up still do all those They'll things to do that yeah i understand the, the, that there's tickets available but think about what doogie <laughs> told us doogie told us that glenn was turned off by the fact that a guy who came in to possibly buy the team showed up with a his own team of lawyers it's 2020. Of Dude. course you're going to do that. But Glenn, like, think about this. This is the crazy thing. And and also, Glenn is a, it's, by all accounts, I don't know Glenn like, on a personal level, but Glenn, by all accounts, is a great guy, right? He's a, he's yeah. a, he's he cares and he wants to do well. And, and when it comes to running a basketball team, he's just been, I, I won't pull the punch. He's been a bumbling idiot for 25 <laughs> years running the Wolves. It's He has been. And, and so he's like, the best illustration I give you is, he is sitting out there, you know, on a boatload of land and businesses out in Mankato. Yeah. And, you know, and not like there's been a lot of people who have become billionaires from small town America, but it's like he's never really fully adopted the now you're in the bright lights. This is big time now. This is the NBA. There's lawyers. There's there's marketing. There's big time decisions that have to be made with free agents and Andrew Wiggins. Right. And it's like his mantra is still. Well, if you look me in the eye and shake my hand, then right. we're going to be good. It's but like, I mean, you, dude, you <laughs> saw all this work. You sold a team. So if you own a professional sports team and you basically sold that team and shook hands, right? Okay, we got an agreement. We're talking circa what, 1975? Yeah. Like, like I just sold my team to, to Ben and Ben bought the team. Let's shake on that and let's go, go get a bottle of champagne yeah. and a couple of steaks. It's 2020. Like these are now the most intricate sales. There's tons of tax, tax implications, right? And I just love the fact that, that this guy probably rightfully showed up with his attorneys in tow. And Glenn's like, oh, what, what's this? Also worth noting, too. Of course he did. Like he, you know, one of his, one of his big things is I'm not going to sell the team to somebody who, who doesn't promise me, like I want them to promise me that they're going to keep the team in Minnesota. Right. And that would be great. 
if, if for, for, for the remaining Wolves fans out there, like, yeah, it would be great to keep the team in Minnesota. But if you zoom out, just zoom out from the Minnesota perspective on this yep. for a second. And by the way, there's a lot of former Wolves fans or never have been Wolves fans that just literally wouldn't shed one tear if they moved to Las Vegas or something. Um, and so you, you need to hook those people in and get them on board, buying tickets, team to be better. What leverage do you really have outside of the leverage of like, I'm not going to say the team, but like what, what clout does this franchise have to demand that the legacy of the Timberwolves not be tarnished by moving to another city, you know? So I, I have a hard time with like playing hardball. It's like, dude, you wouldn't have to be worried about this team moving to another city if you had done a better job as an owner for 25 years. And the scariest thing is he actually saved it. Glenn, that's, that's the irony. Glenn that's saved the irony. it too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they they were going to approximately seven years into their existence, seven years they yeah. were going to move to New Orleans. I will weigh one rule though. So I do think that modern day what the old Browns did and and the National Football League did was great. I I think that for the most part, if you're going to move, leave your history and name right. Mm-hmm. Like if the uh, North Stars had just left that name. The Wild, instead of being the Wild, could have adopted it. In the Wolves' case, though, I will waive that rule. If they move to Vegas or Seattle, and someday we get a new team, I have no interest in the Timberwolves' history or the name. Let's just start anew, okay? Like, I don't need, hey, welcome back after a 20-year absence, Minnesota Timberwolves do. No, thank you. We'll start over. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, um, muskies again. I don't care what you call them. The Timberwolves are going to be dead if the Timberwolves move. Yeah. So, I I hope he sells soon. I'm just like, just get get someone in here. I I was listening to Mark Cuban on Bill Simmons. There's an hour and a half interview with Mark Cuban on Bill Simmons' podcast this week. Yep. And it's it's been tw- it's twenty years of Mark Cuban as an owner in Dallas, and they just go over all the different things that you know how the league has evolved, and the way that he he basically told a bunch of stories about how he came into the league in two thousand and looked at different things that they were doing uh, in Dallas around the league, and he just kept poking holes in things and ruffling feathers, and in some ways, like his ruffling of feathers is a little bit grandstanding, and like the way yeah. that he sits courtside and gets ejected from games, like some of it's just Mark Cuban grandstanding, but. A lot of it is him being innovative and brilliant and uh, and being the first owner to look at travel differently and 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 he has he was behind the creation of the bubble uh among ownership and I just look at and I know that Dallas has only won like one championship in those 20 years but I look at an attentive, smart, innovative, forward-thinking owner and he's also had problems with like there's been some cultural issues in their office. So I'm not saying he's perfect, but um I don't know. I, w- I would love that here. I would just love like a fresh thinking, someone who looks at it differently and 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 someone who can You know what I want? Avoid how bad they've been for 25 I years. I want a guy who's not proud of the, the fact that his coach, as Duke said, makes nothing. Hey, yeah, but he doesn't make much money. Ryan Dude, doesn't make much. No. That's bonkers. And, and I also, and I can't tell you how little I care. If Ryan Saunders picks up his cell phone and like calls Jane Doe a 10-year season ticket holder to the Wolves to thank her or to get her to re-up, okay? Like, that should not be something the coach ever worries about. That's such a Minnesota that, thing, isn't it? Yes. Oh, we really needed to call, we need, we needed to call uh, Gail and her family out there. And uh... <laughs> and it sounds like something that, that, you know, you do old school. The Lakers, the first time around here, yeah. right? But, like, you're, we're talking about trying to win basketball games. 
That should be the primary focus. Oh, here's a story that Mark Cuban told in this Bill Simmons podcast. Go listen <laughs> to it. Okay? crazy. He said he came into Dallas as an owner in 2000, and he realized they were spending more money on, like, admin, things like in the admin office and computer software training for the sales department and all these things than they were spending on player development. No. And, and he was like, oh my. you guys, I'm not saying that we can't develop the cubicle area here, but we are in the business of winning basketball games. That's, that is the be all end all. If we don't win basketball games, none of this other stuff uh, matters. Yeah. And so he said, let, let's go find literally every former Maverick that's ever walked and ask if they want to be a player development coach and have a one to one ratio of, of smart former players that are coming in and working with our new guys and develop young Dirk and develop Michael Finley and all these guys, right? Steve Nash. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't know what those no, spending you know is what, like with the Wolves, it. but here's my, my Wolves question of the day. Has Gerson called Phyllis and Mendota Heights yet to see if we can get her to keep those damn tickets? I, you know what? You know what? Don't call the Rockets about Harden. Don't call the Knicks. Don't call the Magic. Gerson, what I need you to do from 12 to 1 is call Phyllis, Bob, Bill, Ted, John, and Gail. Because we need them back in the pack. Think Amazing. about it. Amazing. Oh, man. All right, we're going to pause for a second, and then we're going to take your trade ideas as part of Reckless Speculation Thursday and some old tweets exposed. Getting the ball to Maya was the thing to say if you knew where the Lynx were going to play. Target Center was closed all summer long so that they could renovate. The season at the X was mostly nice and warm, but you were booted for the playoffs to the barn. Still getting the ball to Maya was the right way to make title dreams come true. season at the X was mostly nice and warm, but you were booted for the playoffs to the barn. Still getting the ball to Maya was the right way to make title dreams come true. I think they feel pretty good about what they're doing offensively right now. Uh, You know, obviously, like I said before, they're running the ball better. Uh, Trubisky's playing well. Uh, you know, um, they've got good receivers. They're probably using Mooney a little bit more than uh, than they were. But Allen Robinson's a really good player, and they got you know the two tight ends are really good players with uh, Graham and Komet. So um, I, I think they have settled into what they want want to do and what what they want to be. Reckless speculation. And that might be true that. Mike Zimmer feels like right now the offense is settled in and they're going to get back on the right track. But we're going to zoom out from the micro, which is this week's game against the, the Bears. And we're going, to, we're going to zoom out to the macro, which is the overall state of the Vikings for this Reckless Speculation Thursday. And if you're new to the exercise, a few weeks ago, uh, we started taking your 
either trade or other speculative ideas as it pertains to Minnesota sports teams, we will take them in. Um, is there like an equivalent of like you've got these like old newspaper columnists who would do like the like the doctor, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Dan? Dr. Love, Dr. Dan, Dr. Dan, Dr. Love and stuff. Uh, yeah. you, you you send us your ideas and we will be the uh, the speculative doctors to, to flush these out. Uh, Jason on Twitter sends this one. Would you guys be willing to trade your best offensive and defensive player? So like Dalvin Cook and Daniil Hunter, as well as your current first round pick. So what are they picking now? Like 15th 16th. or something? Yeah. 16th to the Jets. If they were willing to give you the number one overall pick or Trevor Lawrence, as it were. So I've got to trade Daniil Hunter. Speculation. He's saying you have to trade Daniil Hunter and Dalvin Cook and your 15th overall pick for the rights to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Let's see here. (laughs) Let me go through the list of people that I'm going to have to surrender in this trade. Dalvin Cook, who I have used up beyond belief. and um, He's guaranteed to miss six games next season. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I refer you to the case of Christian McCaffrey. Yep, happens uh, every time. Look at the games played this year because a year ago he was extremely durable and got used up. So let's see. I'm trading the guy who's been used up. I'm trading a guy coming off neck surgery who wants to enter next season as the highest paid rushing defensive end in the National Football League and who right now is a bargain. And my top pick for potentially a quarterback who is, who could be generational and I could take my swing at having a quarterback for eight to ten years. Yeah, I'll make that trade. See, some people would say, just before I give my answer, some people would say, why would you make that trade when you can get Daniil Hunter back? You can run it back with Dalvin Cook, you know, top two running back in the league, Kirk Cousins, who's been playing a lot better lately, and use that 15th overall pick yeah. for an offensive lineman that helps solidify all of this going forward. Yeah. What's the most likely path to a Super Bowl? Because a lot of people would argue that, well, they'll keep keep all those things Can, and and draft a draft a tackle or a guard or something. Okay, for the, those who watch this show, look at all this gray in this beard. Okay, folks, this is why I'm sports dad. Here's why: the term "run it back" in football is tantamount to death. All right. I'm dead serious here. No, I, I don't. I am serious, and I learned this. I learned this myself the hard way from the 2009 to 2010 Vikings. And the fact is, when you think in football, let's run it back. You can't. Guys age quickly. Things change. Chemistry gets weirder. Chemistry changes. There are football sports across the board have this issue, but I think football is most prone to it. And that is the fact that from year to year, more things change because of, of the amount, fill of variables that change. Like, it's a ton of people, they play a brutal sport. If, if we buy into in the fact, and a lot of players say this, that the Monday after they play a game, it feels like they have awoken from being in a car wreck, okay? Like, think about saying, but a year from now, all those car wrecks are going to add up and you're going to be improved. So so for those that would think, well, you got Dalvin coming back and you got Daniil and now he's back and now you got your first round pick, I will tell you take the quarterback 
if you think he's going to be a star or really good and run. Uh, Dex, what about you? What about this this exact trade that he's throwing out there? So you'd have to trade your best offensive and defensive player, and he's saying Cook and Hunter and your first-round pick for Trevor Lawrence. I think this is a no-brainer. I would do this in a heartbeat. I, I, I don't even think it's worth discussing not doing. I don't think the Jets would do it. However, just in the in the micro of this conversation, yes, I would do this eight days a week. I, see, I actually think this makes the Jets think because if they think that— It is the Jets. Part of this is they're going to fire everybody, <laughs> And right? they don't think, so yeah, that's a good right. point by Declan. Th- they're going to fire everybody— <laughs> And, and 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 it's going to depend on does the new coach come in and see Sam Darnold as most of the league saw him, you know, three four years ago, end of his college run and into the draft. Hey, he could be a franchise quarterback. These idiots and Adam Gaze just broke him. We just need to build him back up again. Sure. Or do they see him now as just a completely lost cause? If because if they see him as a lost cause, why would they trade the number one overall pick for anything? Like, there's literally if you thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be. Yep. A ten to fifteen year starting quarterback. There's there's nothing that you would even take for that that's realistic. Um, so that's part of the conversation. On the Viking side of things, I actually think this is a little bit too much in terms of current players to give up. I don't think you need to. First of all, Dalvin Cook has more value to the Vikings than he would in a trade because teams aren't the last team to give up a first round pick for a running back. I think was the Cleveland. Uh, no, it was the uh, Indianapolis Colts. They were taking, what's his name? Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson from the Cleveland Browns yep. for a first-round pick. It was yep. a late first-round pick. So I think Cook I think Cook actually has more value to the Vikings because teams, teams see running backs for what they are, and they know that he's going to be you know, reaching a career high in touch this year. But if it was Daniil Hunter uh-huh. and like this year's first and next year's first for the number one overall pick, if the Jets would for some reason do that, it is then it's a no-brainer for me. I don't think they would say, and we want Cook. I think they would say, oh, okay. give us another first-round pick. Yeah. You know what? I love it. And, th- and then you agree to this trade, turn around and call your friends in San Fran, Santa Clara. Because then if you get the number one overall pick and Trevor Lawrence, you can you can give Kyle Shanahan the man that he loves dearly, Kirk Cousins. Okay, what do you think right now? Reckless speculation. Because I, I just want to remind people that we are the ones that started driving the bus on this Kirk to San Francisco discussion. When it actually happens, we want full credit for this. We started talking about this two months ago. Okay. (laughs) So what we said two months ago was Kirk, because Kirk was leading the league in interceptions. We said, Kirk needs to play a lot better down the stretch so that you can build his value up and potentially sell high on him come league year time in March. Right. Mm -hmm. Kirk is doing that. Yes, he is. Kirk is doing exactly that. 100% correct. And so you have to make a decision, assuming that he plays pretty well the next three weeks, and then we'll see where the playoff chips fall, but assuming he ends the note on like eight great games in a row, Mm -hmm. you have to then make a decision and say, is this the new Kirk, or is this just like the same guy who gets hot for a couple of months almost every year, and ultimately it's just he's just not... He's not enough with his legs. He's not enough of a dynamic player like you see around the league to build around. And I think we all agree that if you can sell high, you sell high. What do you think the San Francisco 49ers, in terms of draft capital, would be willing to give up knowing that they've got a great roster coming back healthy next year and quarterback is the thing that they're most worried about? Would they give up a first-round pick for this current version of Kirk Cousins? I, Kyle Shanahan loves him. Yeah, I don't know if they give up a first-round pick because they're taking on a huge contract, but I do think that you could probably get a second or third-round pick, and if you did, I think you run and take it. But in but in the world of the trade from reckless speculation, Phil Mackey, that we got 
Like this is the ideal path, right? Like if you could get a a young, controllable, and probably destined to be pretty good QB, and now turn around and spin off your QB, mm-hmm. I almost don't care what you get back because now I, I've got five years essentially of a controllable player at the most important position in sports. Listen, I, we're, we're going to do a deeper dive into what I'm about to bring up on Purple Daily today. So if you want the full deep dive into this, Purple Daily Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Scornorth.com, and Purple Daily YouTube channel. So in the, in the last 20 years, which I would consider the, the quarterback renaissance era of football, basically when Peyton Manning started figuring it out and Tom Brady came in the league, like the Brady-Manning era going forward, so the last 20 years of Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks, 35% of them were on rookie-scale contracts. It's a pretty big number. Yeah. They weren't rookies necessarily. They were on rookie-scale yeah, contracts. you got a five-year window where, yeah. they're, where they're not making big-time. Russell, Russell Wilson, yep. the poster child for that. Ben Roethlisberger, 2005. Russell Wilson. Uh, I believe, actually, Aaron Rodgers may have. No, nah, he might have been on a second contract Mahomes. with them. Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Yep. yep. Joe Perfect. Flacco, actually, was on a rookie-scale contract. Eli Manning in 2017. Another 50, so that's 35%. 35% of Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks since 2000 were on rookie-scale contracts. Okay. Another 55%, so that brings us up to 90% of the total quarterback pool, were Hall of Fame quarterbacks or will-be Hall of Fame quarterbacks on non-rookie contracts. Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Big Ben, and Aaron Rodgers. I'm leaving out... The other 10% is, I believe, Eli Manning after he got paid in 2011. But I don't, he might be a Hall of Famer, but but I'm not putting him in that group. Um, and then I might be missing someone in there. There's another quarterback I'm, I'm missing. But basically, 90% of quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl since 2000 are either on rookie scale contracts yep. or are Hall of Famers on non rookie contracts. Yep. And as good as Kirk Cousins has been at times and as good as he was in that Saints playoff game and as good as he has looked the last few months, the best version of Kirk Cousins is A, still not on a rookie-scale contract, and B, is not a Hall of Famer. And uh, is there still a way to build around the other 10%? Yes. But I'd rather take the more open doors, and if you have a path to a good, young, talented rookie-scale contract for the next five years, and you've got these weapons, and you've got some young cornerbacks that are going to grow into their prime, et cetera. But with how, how this you team, walk through that door. But with how this team wants to construct itself, I will ask you this. How do you build around Kirk? Because your desire is to construct yourself with, with at least some absolutely key expensive chips on defense. Like I, I don't see the path with what this coaching staff wants to do to construct around Kirk. And that's not all Kirk's fault. But... The reality is, your defense starting in 2021, if you're going to win a Super Bowl during the course of Kirk's contract, your defense starting next year has to go up, not like one notch, Phil, but like three. You've got to get back within, I think, a top three to five, yeah. and probably top three. Yep. I feel like a, there's there's a lot hinging and right Pierce now. Pierce doesn't do that. If you're going to do the run it back thing, which Sportsdad has advised against running it back, we've seen that a million times with the Vikings, which is like running it back always ends poorly. Um, you got to make changes and you got to evolve. And I think there's a lot of people that look at the current construction of the Vikings and don't just think, yeah, they're going to be better next year. I think they're going to be better next year Mm -hmm. because I think, you know, Daniel Hunter makes them better if he comes back and Michael Pierce makes them better. I agree. Like they're going to be better next season, but I don't want like 10 and six better and a division title better. I want Super Bowl better. And 
I don't think you are Super Bowl better by just adding Daniil Hunter and Michael Pierce back to the equation and nailing a first-round draft pick uh, guard or something. Right. Uh, and a lot of people, I think, would disagree with me and think, no, dude, if you get those two guys back on the defensive line and uh, and Eric Hendricks is fully healthy again because he missed the game against Tampa, and and then you add an offensive lineman in, in the draft or free agency, th- like then you're a Super Bowl team. Which I say you're not watching enough Chiefs games. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing too is, and th- this is this is Kirk. It's not Kirk's fault because it's how he plays. It's his ability. But offensive line play around this entire league is not good. I, I think it's it's the old thing where where when kids grow up that they're not like you know what I I'm a big guy so I'm going to get really fat and block guys right. Like, it's not a fun place to play. Um, What makes up for mediocre to below average offensive lines? Quarterbacks that can move. Like that that's the factor. And then people but then people are gonna say, but Judd, look at the list of like look at the quarterbacks who've won Super Bowls. Most of them are statues. Yeah. Right. But look at the league right now. Right. Go watch go watch Red Zone on the Sunday right now, about. compared to even like four years ago. That, that's what I'm like talking four, about. Four years ago. Josh Allen wasn't running around. Pat Mahomes wasn't running around. Lamar Jackson wasn't running around. Baker Mayfield wasn't running around. Like yep. every quarterback that comes into the league now is like a bolt of lightning running, you know, away from pressure. The league is way different now than it was four or five and years at, ago. At the very least, and Kirk does not have this ability. At the very least, you need to be able to feel the blindside yes. pressure and shuffle. I, I think I saw Brady do that once or twice on Sunday, and the man is forty three. Okay. Um, but you have to have that. And Kirk Kirk can take off. Kirk can run. Kirk can make a bootleg work. I get all of that, okay? So I'm not saying he can't. He ran for 50 yards last year. Right? Yeah, exactly hey, right. Hey, you hater. Five carries. But the one thing that Kirk can't do consistently is Kirk can't feel that pressure. And that's why he gets sacked more. And that's also why he fumbles. So, like, all this is not going after Kirk. It's the reality of where this league is right right now. But I'm becoming more, more and more convinced that it might be damn near impossible to really build an O-line old school-wise that we all thought, oh, man, look at that line. It's tough. It's great. Um, it's getting difficult. And so the question is, can I get a quarterback who can make up for the fact that, you know, of my five guys on the line, let's say I've got two that I think are good. Yeah. Are really good. What if what if you replace the word mobility with awareness? Yeah, like it, it's not even just being able to scramble mm-hmm. all around and be and be Michael Vick out there. It's awareness. The statue guys that are aware the pocket is collapsing, they know how much time is left in the pocket. It's awareness. Replace it with that, and I think also it would it would go over a lot better with fans. Yeah, I, I, That's I, a good I would, call. I, like I would love both. Oh, by the way, <laughs> my list also could have included Kyler Murray wasn't in the league four years ago. I mean, it's it is ridiculous yeah. how much the league has changed in just four years. It's the college game now. Yeah, and like, basically, like when some of these when some of these other guys were winning Super Bowls, like Eli Manning won two Super Bowls. Well, he's a non-mobile quarterback. Well, how many how many like actual mobile quarterbacks were even in the league in 2011 during Eli's second Super Bowl run? Like Michael Vick, I think was out of jail again by that point. Yeah. Um there's probably three or four other guys that could like Andrew Luck could scoot around, but he didn't get drafted until like I think 2011. Yeah, Cam, Cam came in the league that year, but Cam, yeah. I mean, not many. But it I mean it is it is bonkers. I got one more quick one here before Old Tweets exposed. Uh, it's another similar one with the Jets. Jake on Twitter 
He asked, and he writes, Reckless speculation. Would be super down to hear you guys discuss this reckless speculation topic. A trade with the Jets. Would you trade? I love this. This is great. Daniil Hunter, Anthony Barr, because they love, they tried to get Anthony Barr a couple years ago, right? For free. (laughs) And, and head coach Mike Zimmer (laughs) for the number one overall pick. I think you'd have to include your first round pick in this too. Would you give up two defensive players and Mike Zimmer to the Jets? The the Jets need, they're going to need a head coach. They're going to need other pieces and a first round. The pick. Jets are crazy I, I would for sure and stupid. That. They're not that crazy and stupid. Uh, then draft a quarterback and another piece. He's saying draft another piece later in the draft. You'd have to give up your first round pick to make this happen and a bunch of other things. Uh, yeah, Te- put it this yeah. way. Yes, teams that are that have the number one overall pick are horrible teams that need a bunch of things on their roster, and so they're not just going to trade. Like they're not just going to trade the number one pick for a mediocre linebacker that makes a bunch of money and a pass rusher who's got some injury questions. Like they're going to want draft capital to make that happen. So um, who was it? Was it the but Rams Zim, and Washington? Zim too, Phil. Come on. Yeah. Go build that Jets defense. And they're going to need it. They're going to need a head coach. That's not going to be 70 by the time the team. Turns and who is surly so. as can be. Honestly, though, Ooh. what if instead of the Jets, what if you did the Dallas Cowboys and you, in fact, trade both head coaches, you get Vikings, get McCarthy, Cowboys get Mike Zimmer. I have zero interest in Mike McCarthy. Mike, Mike Zimmer is a far better coach right now. Than How can Mike you McCarthy. not play the sounder? The reckless speculation sounder. Reckless so speculation. Would you guys be down for Mike McCarthy? No, as head coach? I have no interest in Mike oh McCarthy. No, like, no, no. I did at one time. I would have well, at one time. Also, if you brought in Mike McCarthy, it also closes the door on Aaron Rodgers being the Vikings quarterback in two years. Think about that. What if Dax included? If it means you get Dak, but you have to get Mike Mar- Mike McCarthy. See, I don't want I don't want Dak for like thirty five million dollars. I don't think he's. This is what people. But that's the market value. I don't care what the that's market the, value but is. But that's the point. That's the problem. I'm mm-hmm. not going to pay that. If you walk into a store and someone's like, uh, "Boy, the like," well, this is what happened uh, when the pandemic started. You go on you go on Amazon. It's like I need some hand sanitizer. And they're like, well, it's going to cost you $40 for a bottle of hand sanitizer because that's the market toilet value. Paper. Like, toilet paper. Toilet paper. $40 for hand right. sanitizer? Get a bidet. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> with, the first, with the first pick in the toilet draft, Declan Goff takes the bidet. Bidet. Well, the a, bidet. Some would say this is a reach for Goff, but, uh, you know, this was his day one target, and, and yeah. he's going for it. He told me last night he would be thrilled to get bidet. It's going it's to be fantastic. <laughs> All right. Let's get to some old tweets exposed here. Okay. Where Declan goes through 10 years of tweets from Judd and I and, the, and himself and exposes us for the fraud that we are. Literally, my computer just decided to update the moment no! you hit the sound. However, wait. Give me, give me, give me a minute. Everything Actually, is now popping right back up. No, no, no. Probably for the best that this happened. Yeah, because this is a Dan Bailey edition of oh, old tweets exposed. Oh, I hope it's Things more are than popping that. back up. As I uh, do my great stall. Excuse here. me, Declan. Literally, all, like, all of a sudden, it just said, "Hey, I'm going to update." All right, but Streamyard's popping back. We'll be we'll be back in here in just a second. But it is a Dan Bailey edition of old tweets exposed. All three of us have Dan Bailey tweets. I'll even actually say mine's the least damning, which is usually shocking in old tweets exposed, considering I have tweets that go back to the St. Cloud days of 2011 and 2016. Declan, so red carpet. Um, Did you, you have guys, any like three in the morning takes from his Dallas days? Like Dan no, Bailey, I man. looked the next Dan Vinatieri. I, I really looked, and and there there was not. <laughs> I'm any, watching Dan Bailey highlights right now. Any uh, Dan, Judd had one from the Cowboys game, like in 2011 or something. He had some Dan Bailey, but it wasn't damning. It wasn't a it wasn't a bad one. I did. You did. You did. 
So, Wait, of, you were tweeting about Dan Bailey when he was with the Cowboys? Why? It, it was nothing bad. I think like you were watching the game or something. A lot and, of dead brain cells it wasn't, right there, It boys. wasn't worth bringing up. I'll okay. say that. All right. <laughs> All right. I, nondescript. Are we back? I think, I think we're back. We're back! Here. Are you back in here? It's, it's yep. trying. It's got the little Twitter. Dude, the, it's, I, what I hate about these updates sometimes is it'll tell you like, It'll go like you know zero to one hundred percent update, but then it'll restart your computer, and then there's another thing that updates and takes like an hour and a half. Yeah, this is great time. Anyways, all right, here oh we go. Oh my god, this is just from October eleventh, two thousand twenty. It was ago. true at the time, though. Two months ago, Dan Bailey: colon, the first kicker that doesn't give Vikings fans high levels anxiety since Ryan Longwell. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Well, two months ago, I was I was reflecting on Dan Bailey thinking, you know, I haven't really thought about Dan Bailey in a couple of years, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. He just makes his Since kicks. Kari Vedvik. Pretty, him, you know, he'll miss a kick like once a month or something. Pretty darn good. Uh, Ryan Longwell, guest on Purple Daily yesterday, if you want right. to hear his diagnosis. All right. I'm, yeah, that was... Uh, the 265 people that liked this tweet should also be held accountable. I, I just want I, to point that I, out. I think that okay. is fair. And I got one quote tweet. It was probably from Phil. I think he might have quote tweeted it. I did because quote tweets weren't available. No, they were available no, they were a couple old. months ago. When it's been changed again tweets, now. They've, they've been available, I think, for like a year. No, I mean like where you could see that quote oh. tweets are available. Oh yeah, that's within like it's been within the year. Okay. That's been within the year. All right, who's All next? Right, you're not alone, Phil. Mr. Judd Zolgad on November first, two thousand twenty, ah! says yes. <laughs> Bailey is the ah, ideal veteran as far as not getting flustered. Wow. So, so I had my take in October. You brought yours a month ago. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if I can. Can you bump this up? Yeah. We need to. We need to bump that tweet. It says, "Bring back Walsh," and he adds, "Just a joke." Matthew Collar, Courtney Crow, yep. and Mackie Judzol get seriously though. Veteran calm there. Yes, and I said yes. Bailey is the ideal veteran as far as not getting flustered. Dude, we need to retweet oof. this. We need to. We need to bring this tweet to life again. Old old takes exposed. Oh, Judd. Nice job, Judd. Hey, on November first, two thousand twenty, I was That's not bad. I was exactly right. That is not bad. You know what? Ideal bring, veteran. Bring it Never back. Gets bring it back. Bring it back, boys. Bring it back. Although, in fairness, Ryan Longwell is essentially saying on Purple Daily yesterday that, of course, everyone's blaming Dan Bailey because his foot is the one that hits the ball. But switching out your long snapper in middle of the season can cause major timing issues that you just need to work out in practice. And he and he's essentially saying the whole operation is more at at fault than just Dan Bailey. But if you're Dan Bailey, of course, you're you know, you're the one kicking the ball, and so you're the one that takes the... So with, with what he, he was saying, if, essentially what he's trying to tell us, Phil, is that the long snapper being changed is akin to you eating spicy food on a Tuesday night and what occurs on Wednesday. Yeah. Like, it's really not your fault. It's the food's fault. Dude, the other night... It's the long oh snapper's boy. fault. The oh. other night, so we... Uh, oh, boy. Use a bidet. We love. I love Crave. I think I'm not a huge oh, chain okay. restaurant. I like to support the locals, but Crave Crave is pretty boss. Okay, I'm not a big fan of Crave. Okay, well, but if I, they ever want to sponsor but, the show, but then but you I can do just like hide them in the corner. They love Mackie and Jeff. Yes. So, Crave I never say anything about a restaurant tackling. Crave has what they call. I think it's called like Boom Boom Shrimp or something. It's like spicy sriracha oh, yeah. shrimp. Yeah, I've heard of Boom Boom. And shrimp. then they also give you a little container of Crybaby Craig's, and it says on the container. In case you want to add a little more spice. And you did. This guy can never resist adding a little did. more spice. Despite the fact you have a questionable stomach. It took a 3 nothing lead the next morning, and I do not regret it. And it was, it was the long snapper. See? It wasn't your fault. I, I did get a pressure cooker for my birthday yesterday, and I cooked some chicken in there for the first time. It's, it's, changed, it's changed my life. Declan, what's happening so to you? Things. A bidet? A pressure cooker? What's wrong with that? There's nothing no, wrong with no, a pressure you're, cooker. It, you're becoming far too responsible. Oh, yeah. that That is... 
Scary. What's next, a walker? Yeah, well, maybe. All right, so my tweet about Dan Bailey has to go back to like a day or two before he signed with the Vikings in 2018, and I compared him to Vincent Chase from Entourage, (laughs) and I said, I love how Dan Bailey turned down multiple offers as if he's Vinny Chase or something. This was tweeted September 17th, 2018. I think think actually it might have been even Doogie that said, I remember this like two years ago, I don't know why this has popped in my brain, but he had multiple offers when he was a free agent after the Vikings had their Daniel Carlson moment, and he was turning down, like, decent off-kicking off, kicking, off t- kicking money to go sign with the team. So I did compare him to Vincent Chase, which uh, is pretty hilarious. I can see him walking with his, you know, with his, his long snapper, the holder, Marwin Maloof there right. on the right. <laughs> I don't think he'd choose to have Marwin Maloof. No, now. I don't no. think so. Either. So those are old tweets exposed. You're right, Declan. Not very damning towards you. No. Phil and I a little egg on our face right now. I think Judd. A little bit. I, think I have Judd a lot of egg on you my face. You have the most. I think Judd has the most, yeah. Yeah. You have the most. Yeah. Calm. We should rank these every week. Judd takes the crown here. For Never the gets flustered. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty bad. So um, that's a wrap on today's episode of Mackie and Judd. Tomorrow we fire up Action Movie Rewind. Kindergarten Cop pulled the upset this week in the, in the Arnold voting. So we're going to dive into an Arnold Schwarzenegger classic. Who is your daddy? I'm back. Get to the carpet. <laughs> Grab the toy. Get to the, the carpet. carpet. <laughs> Not a tumor. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Oh, God. Who is your daddy?